Hello, wherever you are, this is the Common Sense Wellness Podcast. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Timothy Crumley, and I'm here with Emma Cranston. And we are going to ju- uh, jump into today's topic, which is on relationships, something that uh, we have talked about before. But today we're going to talk, I think, a bit more about um, different indicators of healthy versus unhealthy relationships, and specifically talking about green flags, so things that um, you want to look for in relationships and talking about this with our clients and just in general. Uh, But first here is a little bit more about our group. The Common Sense Wellness Network is a group of practitioners comprised mainly of mental health counselors, social workers, and nurse practitioners serving clients within New York State. We are primarily a tele-based practice, although we do also offer in-person services, and we've been in operation since the summer of 2018. You can find out more about us on our website at www.commonsensemh.com. Thanks. All right, so let's get started and we'll uh, jump in. Um, yeah, so like I said, I know we've talked about relationships, Emma, before, mm-hmm. um, but I think we do want to focus more on sort of like green flags slash, um, so when we say green flags, we're talking about um, things that we're looking for in relationships, healthy indicators of a relationship and my sense is too um and correct me unless you want to take this in a different direction um that we want to be that we're talking about relationships in general so this applies to romantic relationships and that may be what kind of comes up first and foremost but some of these things will likely apply to family relationships friendships uh working relationships if that makes sense okay um yeah so what are what are your thoughts on this what's i my first thought in general I love the framework of red and green flags for relationships. And I like, I use this in sessions, but I like to always have my little bit of a disclaimer in that um, it's not as simplified as like all black, all, all white or all red, all green. Mm. Um, So for example, arguing is going to happen within a relationship. That's not inherently a red flag, even like perhaps a level of name calling. Yeah. It's a red flag in that, that's not what we're looking for in healthy communication within a relationship. Mm-hmm. However, if we're identifying some trends in our relationships that we are looking to shift, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and like throw out the baby with the bathwater kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. As a therapist in my own relationships, I have definitely had some moments of um, <clears throat> perhaps not the most assertive communication. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. sometimes I will notice like, ooh, that's not a cute look, Emma. Like you're getting really angry and I'm raising my voice. Well, that's not great. That's not Mm. assertive communication. So what do we do with that? When we Mm. notice our red flag within ourselves and then our other, whether it's again, like you said, partner, parent, sibling, friend, um, what do we do with it? So within the red flags and the green flags, it's not just this simple, oh, I've seen two red flags in this partner. I'm done. I'm out. Mm. Um, I kind of will talk about some of the negotiables and non-negotiables sometimes. Um, so what I mean by that, I feel like I'm explaining this poorly so far, but what I mean by that is mm. if somebody's communicating in a way that is not conducive to improvement in my relationship, that may be something that we can work on. If they are getting physically violent within my mm. relationship, that's one of my non-negotiables. Right. I'm like work my way through that. Like, oh, yes. well, you know, they're only hitting me less or mm. something like for me in my life, that would be a non-negotiable. Mm. Um, whereas 
maybe somebody engaging in passive aggressive communication. All right, we might have something that we can work on with that. It's not mm. necessary that I'm going to say like, all right, we're done. Um, does that even make sense, first of all? I mean, it makes sense to me. I can't speak for our listeners, but no, I, I think you, you broke you broke that down very well because it's like, so what you're talking about is that there are, you know, again, these red and green flags and things that we would consider, you know, sort of a negative indicator versus positive. Um, and then also noting that there's a spectrum, right? Something could be a maybe a benign indicator. It could be, you know, not really indicative of anything either way, whether it's good or bad. You know, I think that, yeah, we could really probably start to break that down because depending on what it is that we're talking about. But then beyond that, when we talk about, you know, so again, even like what it means to have a red flag around something like such as communication, Mm -hmm. it depends on other contextual factors within the relationship and the weight that that carries. Right. So is it something where like, all right, here's again, just an example is coming up for me as you were sharing this. Like you mentioned, for example, like physical violence, you know, I think for, you know, a lot of people that is a non-negotiable, right? Then we start going into that territory. Um, so yeah, you have to decide is a red flag something that can be worked on or is it negotiable or is it something where you see it, it happens. Ideally you start moving away from it. Mm-hmm. It becomes a, just a non-starter. Um, and then, you know, what does that all look like? But the other thing I think about with this is, so when you have a relationship that is say fairly new and you have, you know, something where, I'm trying to think of an example, but let's say, yeah, let's say, you know, this is a new relationship and it's on your second or third date. And in that, you know, in your, you know, back and forth with this person, you you know, find out that they have some really problematic worldviews, right? You find mm-hmm. out that they, you know, just do not see eye to eye and maybe over things that are really, really like, okay, like this is really like, I, I, uh, I cannot negotiate this thing. Yes, yes. And I, I cannot negotiate this with this person. If that's happening earlier in the relationship, that could carry a different weight than say, this is something that, you know, maybe at first you seemed like you were very much eye to eye on and, and you seem to be on the same page with. And then two years in, your partner seems to shift gears or shift frameworks or is coming at this differently. And yeah, that's problematic. That's still a pro- that, an issue. But two years into your relationship, how you deal with that, you know, um, and again, I'm just using, you know, examples that, you know, um, but, you know, whether you say bring that to a joint therapy space, whether yeah. you spend time, you know, the amount of labor and work that you put into that thing, into addressing that flag may look different than yeah. it would have. Um, and again, I'm butchering my own example here, but I, there's probably a variety of examples where, yeah, depending on how deep in the relationship you are, how long it's been, how, you know how serious this relationship is that may also impact how you deal with some of those red flags. Excellent point. Does that make sound accurate or make sense? That absolutely did make sense. And you also expressed it as usual, so much clearer than I do. I get lost in my examples sometimes. Um, But in terms of these green flags, I feel like the one that comes to mind the fastest for me generally does center around respect Mm. Um, and I think that can be seen in um, like humor comes to mind for me a lot if somebody makes jokes in a way that their friend, partner whomever just doesn't respond well to Mm. and they express that to that person the the respect of oh this person doesn't think it's funny when I make X kind of joke so I'm not going to make X kind of joke um, to allow 
people's boundaries and respecting them and mm-hmm. giving them the care that they deserve. Um, within reason, of course, you know, there's always going to be, well, not always, but there can often be some um, competing boundaries, perhaps. Mm. Just if one person's boundary is almost the opposite of another person's boundary, kind of to your point, is it worth trying to make this work? Is this something that right. can be compromised? Right. Um, I, you used the example of like a, a political belief, perhaps. Um, that might be really, really impactful in a relationship where both folks are super duper political. They're yeah. super passionate about their political beliefs. Mm-hmm. It may be less of a thing for a partnership. And when I say partnership, just to be clear, I, I do mean a partnership, whether it's friendship, co-working relationship. I, mm. I am trying to capture all types of relationships here. Sure. Um, but within that partnership, are they maybe two people who are less passionate and involved in politics where yes. maybe that's not a make or break moment for them, but their perception on, I don't know, fill in the blank, something else is make or break for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what I One thing I can say to that too, and this is a self-disclosure and also very much want to acknowledge my privilege around this as a white cis male because what i'm about to say i think in part makes sense slash is possible because of that privilege mm-hmm. um but like hearing you kind of you know point out the, those pieces around romantic versus other types of relationships and what we're talking about here and i think you're right so far this can really apply across the board i know for myself personally you know we talk about you know uh, political standing and worldviews and the kind of red flag that that holds for me when we talk about a close friendship versus romantic relationship, um, I know for me is very different in that, you know, I don't think I could navigate being in a romantic partnership with somebody who uh, is a Trump supporter, personally. Mm -hmm. I don't think, again, I don't, and, and when I say that, I also have close friends of mine who voted for that man twice. Um, and I've made my opinion on that very, very clear to them as I should. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue to do so. Um, but that, but for me, you know, having a close friendship with somebody who had such a framework and worldview that allowed for that to happen, um, for me, depending on the person, depending on how, again, kind of similar to what we talked about before, I wouldn't go out of my way necessarily to, you know, befriend somebody who, you know. But, yeah, I have very close friends who I admire and respect and I think are are great people in a lot, you know, in various ways. Um, and I think that there were various factors that led to that for them. And, but because of the nature of our friendship, the length of it, the, the, the level of it, um, Mm -hmm. for me, it makes a lot more sense to not only remain in that, despite that difference. Um, but actually there's also, I think a bit of a duty on my end to try to continue to hold them accountable and to question them and challenge them on making such a decision. Right. Mm -hmm. And saying, Hey, like, you know, we're talking about something that's even beyond politics at that point. Now, you know, this is a one of those moments in history where we really need to redirect here. Um, but that's another conversation. But I think that, like, that's just an example for me where dealing with that in a close friendship has been doable. Um, yes. Dealing with that as, with a partner, um, I don't know how that would go. And I honestly don't think it'd be possible. I don't think I could do it. I could not. <laughs> I cannot see myself in a relationship with... And I'm going to get very general for a second, but with one of those gay guys who voted for that guy, I just, I don't, I, I cannot see it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, it wouldn't work. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, and that's, 
just to make clear with that too, Carlos and I do not see eye to eye on everything, but we do have a lot of overlap and more than enough overlap where even if we don't see eye to eye on a particular issue, you know, it's not a big enough gap where it would ever be a problem in our relationship. Um, Actually, I think that's another great flag. Like the respect for each other's personhood. Mm. Right? Like holding that space that I don't need to perfectly in every single way match up with my partner, Mm. friend, parent, whomever. Right. Um, But we don't need to be the same person or hold all of the exact same beliefs. I can still respectfully not. (laughs) Yeah. I can certainly not be the same person as my partner or friend that I'm having this relationship with. Yes. Um, so I would say that's a solid. Oh, well, thank you. That's, you guys I, got a nice green flag going. Glad to hear that. I, we, we know we try. Um, no, it's, and that's a great point. I think absolutely, and it goes back to what you're saying earlier about respect, you know, and I think that is, I agree with you on that. That's such a, I think a big part of the foundation here. Um, and yeah, you know, so I know for me, and like I said, that's very privileged because there are people and I've, you know, both clients I work with and people I know who based on, what they're navigating and based on, you know, just their layers of privilege or lacking thereof, um, it would not be doable to have really any interaction with somebody who, again, would be in a position of, of voting in that way or would, you know, and I think that that's not only okay, um, but that's actually probably really important. Like they have to weigh out their own safety in that. And right. this idea that, you know, oh, well, no, you should, you know, expand and be able to, no, no, no. Like that's a, that goes back to, you know, I think we talk about these flags, it being a very personal decision and not having to, you know, really having to take into account one's needs, boundaries, safety, all of that. You know, for me, it, you know, yeah, I've, I've found kind of where I can hold space for some of that and where I can't. Um, and then for everybody, I think that's different, you know, Absolutely. so I, and, I, and that's okay. You know, there's nothing right or wrong with that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes the green flag we're looking for in our relationships is just falling within that same realm. Yes. Yes. Right. Like let's look for folks who have a similar capacity. Yes. In ways. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. I mean that, and that gets into some of the complexity with it where, you know, again, a green flag for somebody could be having that flexibility in what they're able to, you know, I was gonna say tolerate this, maybe not even a great word, but yeah, respect, hold space for, but then there are other things where, no, you really need that value to be mm-hmm. like, aligned <laughs> like that that it really can't be any deviating from that otherwise that's going to cause other problems and bigger problems um you know and yeah so i think it very much depends on on what that is because i know you know and i say this to clients a lot and i think we've talked about it in here at some of, you know, other points but research overall you know i think has, has shown and indicates that you know the opposites attract idea and again we're talking i'm talking now in romantic relationships but i think this is applicable across the board generally doesn't hold when it comes to long-term sustainable relationships usually the more overlap the better but i i do i think what you said before emma was was absolutely right though too that there are certain cases certain layers of this where that flexibility can be a green flag where it's like no okay there's there's something to be said because like not everybody's going to be a perfect match Mm -hmm. you know even if you do have a lot of overlap even if it is a good fit um there's gonna be something or things that where that overlap doesn't happen and like you're saying, how you communicate in that, how you respect the other person, how you can, you know, maintain space for them to be a person. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're right. All of that speaks to those flags. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think there is um, a, well, I guess I can't say this too broadly. 
sometimes the concept of red flags, it can be sometimes oversimplified in my mm. mind. Um, I'm, I'm thinking to some mm. clients who will say like, oh, let me tell you about this red flag in this person that I went on a date with. And it's like this whole thing. And at the end of it, the red flag is, well, you know what they say? A red flag is if they don't have any friends from childhood or something like that. <laughs> and I'm kind of like... I'm unfamiliar with this apparently right. well-known red flag. Like, right. What? And that is the one that is top of mind right now. Mm. Um, and I am actually thinking back to this. We're like, okay, you know, help me understand. Yeah. So the red flag in that? And it's like, well, clearly they can't uh, maintain relationships and, and you know, blah, 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 mm. blah, about like the, the long-term nature of relationships. And on the very, very surface, I'm kind of like, ah, oh, yes, okay, I get it. Mm. Um, What's the context? Yeah. Why does this person not have any relationships from childhood? Did they yes. move around a lot? Do, are they a more introverted person? Have they mm. lost touch like many of us? Have they grown in different ways? Have they experienced really negative things with people from when they were kids? That's like a trauma. Like any kind of trauma that happened between right. then and now? That, yeah. It's yeah. Like, wow, that in itself is super duper, like, complex. Yeah. I think, I mean, I have some close relationships from people from my childhood mm. and by some I mean like probably one <laughs> like, <laughs> you know I have people I will sometimes talk to but I had a moment of like oh dear yeah red flags and yes. you know I'm saying that now in jest but of course I'm, I'm sure I would have tons of red flags for some other people who don't have you know that similar realm and capacity as, as I have sure uh, sure but sometimes the overly specific red flags if it is something that is you know non-negotiable for you um you know perhaps like somebody who has plans to have children or not mm. um, i use kids as an example like wanting to have kids as an example a lot because you can't really have have a child um mm. you kind of do have the kid or you don't right or not <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> one or the other there yeah um, and it's really hard to compromise having a child mm. if there is one partner who super duper wants a child and one partner who super duper does not want a child i am not sure what a compromise is there mm. yeah um, that's a great either one person is getting the kid that they want and the other person is getting the kid that they don't or vice versa yeah um, yeah so there are just some things where it's possible for the relationship to be really good, but still not sustainable because there is just like this very personal red flag, something like kids. Mm. Uh, if it's helpful to conceptualize that as red flags, I personally don't, but yeah. I know like some of my clients have helped and like kind of helped themselves in having some of those frameworks. Yeah. Um, but it kind of goes into your point of, opposites don't necessarily attract right right yes i I don't know it's one of those old wives tales almost Mm -hmm. oh it is and 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 we perpetuate it i think in a lot of ways and i mean there's movies that perpetuate this idea oh my god don't even they get together in the end and it worked and i'm like but like that's a great but again there's there's other examples here too but i think that's a great one about family planning and having children Mm -hmm. and if it comes down to one partner wants children and we're talking about monogamous relationships here too one partner romantic for my words romantic monogamous relationships um if we have one partner who wants children and the other doesn't um yeah i mean you're right there's not really a compromise there and i think that 
I mean, that, but I think that also ties back to both, you know, your point around non-negotiables, right? If someone is adamant they want to have children or adamant that they don't, that sounds like a non-negotiable, right, right? At the end of the day. And on top of that, if we consider that a red flag for somebody, that's where I think the red flag is very much personalized, where for someone who really wants to have kids, it would be a red flag if they have a partner right. who's saying, you know, no, I never want to have kids or I don't, I'm not, even, I'm not going to consider it. I don't want to consider it. I'm not, nope. Like, okay, then it sounds like there's not even really room for discussion there. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But that would be a major red flag and possibly one related to someone's non-negotiable boundary. Um, And then what does that mean? Versus, yeah, maybe you have two partners who, and I can relate to this. I know Carlos and I have navigated this where we're both very much like, we like the idea of having children, but always like seven to 10 years in the future, which Mm -hmm. becomes with each passing year a more awkward conversation because now (laughs) I'm 31 and it's like, okay, well, can't just keep waiting that long um or we can but you know um and you know having this, this back and forth uh, actually I'll, I'll disclose this just a little bit because i think it's relevant um you know this is something where like i said for both of us it's complex um and then you know we've gone through phases where carlos has been like you know i'm really okay with the idea of just not and then he kind of is open and then he kind of wants to have kids again same with me which I think in of itself indicates that we're not ready right this second, but mm-hmm. we're sitting with it. We're processing it. But for both of us, it's, it's a gray thing. It's not, yeah. we didn't come into this, you know, we both, mm-hmm. I think, started our relationship believing that we wanted to have children. And now we've kind of toyed with different ideas of what that may or may not look like. Um, I found myself now much more on the side of I want to have children and I specifically want to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of, I think, in that place too. He's, I think, a little bit more flexible than I'm becoming with it but still on board with that idea. One thing though, he has said that he kind of put as a non-negotiable, which I think I can meet and I think it works is he says, um, that said, if we're going to do this, I want the cutoff to be around 37. I, mm. I do not want to be having the, Oh, in five to 10 years when we're approaching 40, because then we're going to be in our sixties or seventies when this child mm-hmm. graduates high school, or depending on when we adopt them, right. Or what their phase of life is. Um, yeah. He wants to do this within a certain time frame in his life. Uh, as do I. I'm, I'm with him on that. I get that. So weighing that out for myself, I'm kind of like, that's reasonable. And I think we should do it by then. I, I agree. I think we just need to have a cutoff. Because, um, yeah, otherwise I'll just keep pushing it. Um, but like that's... but procrastinate, right? Yeah. It, like just right there, like just for the two of us though, yeah. that's that's been the complex process over the last, you know, eight or nine years between mm-hmm. the two of us. Um so I, just to kind of you know go back to your point and what you're saying with NMI, I think, yeah, there's non-negotiables that get wrapped up in this. Red flags become very subjective with a lot of this. And I do think that aside from things like physical violence that's non-consensual or, you know, just various things that, you know, kind of are baseline for the most part um, that we could consider blanket red flags, a lot of these red flags probably are subjective and very mm-hmm. much dependent on what that person needs and what they want. Um, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Do you ever have a moment of like hearing about a relationship, any type of relationship, and just having that moment of like, ooh, what a green flag there. Uh, uh Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I have that moment so many times, and it like, I feel like I have an ever running list of like, ooh, not to sell more green flags. Yeah. That's the list and share with clients. Yes. And it's just very like, I don't know. I've been noticing it a lot more recently. I think perhaps in part because I, you know, 
I, I know we've acknowledged this in the past, but generally when people are coming to therapy, at least initially, much of the time we are brought there because we're trying to navigate a stressor or like mm. a thing, something is happening. Um, not to say that people cannot be in therapy to just kind of maintain, to benefit from talk, a space to talk through life. Mm. I'm not saying people can only go to therapy if they have a quote unquote problem, but often people are coming because something prompted them to come and it is not uncommon for that to be around relationships. Um, and I've been noticing recently, I think a lot of my previous work has been with people navigating issues or stressors within their relationships. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been working with people long enough that I get to hear all of these green flags and all of, like, yeah. of all of the work that they've been doing. Yeah. And it's been such a like positive and heartening kind of moment. Mm. Um, I guess I'm just kind of bragging on my clients at the moment, actually. Yeah, no, I love that. I'm like, yeah, go, guys! <laughs> I love that because you're right. I mean, you're getting so much data in that way. And I'm also thinking just as you're saying that, how that could be such a great exercise even for a client or for somebody in therapy of like, again, we spend a lot of time in therapy talking about the red flags and things to look out for. But yeah, like what would be green flags mm-hmm. for this person? Because similar to red flags, my sense is that a lot of it would be subjective to that person. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like again, like you mentioned, this is going back... To, towards the beginning of the of the episode, but you talked about um, you know the, the role of humor within a relationship mm-hmm. and what that can mean. And for a lot of people, I think sharing a, a level of humor with a partner is a green flag. Like if you're able to share that with somebody, that's that it, that can signify a lot, and that can you know and that's you know can be really healthy. Um, you know, so I think that yeah, somebody just, you know figuring out what that is for them and what that green flag looks like for them when it comes to something like that, or again, really any other facet of life like that could be a good exercise. It's kind of like, and like you said, kind of like you have a sort of a mental list that you've been developing from your caseload. I feel like people in general could come up with that of like, what is what are you, because we do, I think we do try to help clients determine and figure out what it is that they're looking for in a partner. Yeah. So I think this fits very well with that. It's like, you know, you're out to dinner or you're, you know, having, you know, your first couple of dates with this person. Yeah, what are some of the things that you would like to see? What would be ideal things that they say or do? Um, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes being the therapist is having that conversation of, yeah, these are things that can be worked on, but you guys have only been dating a couple months and you're navigating these stressors. Mm. The phase of the relationship is this work you guys are willing to do. Yeah. Yes. And I apologize. I'm using you guys as a kind of general term, but is this work that y'all are willing to do? Right. Right. Which, you know, can be a, uh, that in itself, how long am I willing to work on a relationship? Mm. Yeah. Right. Yes. Great. Great point. Yes. Like, what are we looking for for changes? Mm-hmm. Uh, how long can I expect to influence this relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gets so complex, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we're saying, oh, we're, you know, we're working on some communication issues. Right. It takes a while to unlearn communication patterns. Right. Attention. Yes. But if I go on to say, you know, partner A is trying to relearn how they communicate, but partner B is tired of it after a couple months. Yes. Can I really say that either of them are wrong? Like there is no wrong or right partner. That's right. Yes. Partner B just has different boundaries of what they're willing to like navigate with their partner as their their person is learning. Yes. What you just said makes me think of um and this is more so a therapist boundary, um, or Again, not that it has to be rigid or, you know, but 
that it's a it's a thought that comes up because um, you're talking about this between partners. And um, I had a con- this is now going back a few years, but I remember having a conversation with our colleague uh, Megan Rivenberg mm-hmm. about relationships and couples work, and um, she made an excellent point. She goes, I forgot what some of the other issues at play were, but we were talking about this couple that um, one of us was going to be seeing. I can't remember who, but basically working with a couple that was coming into therapy very early in their relationship, like within the first. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but like within the first like, couple of months kind of a thing, mm-hmm. um, already seeking out a couple's therapist. And my initial thought at the time before having this conversation um, with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Megan was, um, well, that's, you know, that's a positive indicator. Like right off the bat, you know, you have two people who are willing to engage with a therapist in their relationship. I was kind of projecting my own green flag in that, right, of like... Well, that's great. They're so open to this. And like, you know, that speaks well probably for their long-term relationship. And then Megan points out, she goes, they're a couple months into this and they're already needing a therapist. And it totally shifted my my view on it. But like, I'm like, oh, that is, that's not good. (laughs) Like, wait a minute. Like, that doesn't. That's uphill, man. That's uphill. Yeah. And like, that's great that they were open to therapy. Like that in of itself may still be a a good indicator. Mm -hmm. But it's not a great indicator for this relationship that they're building that right off the bat, you already have to jump to this length or to this thing to address. And again, I don't remember what the issues were, but probably communication related as most relationship issues are, you know, trust related, whatever. Um, and is it something where, and this goes back to your point, and again, very subjective, not saying there's a time limit here or what, you know, but for someone to say, you know what, if we're already at this point, we're having this much trouble, do we just call it? Like, you know, right. and again, very subjective, but like, uh, you know, what is that for that particular person? And, for that person coming to seek therapy with me or with, or whoever it was at that point, they decided that it was worth it. But, you know, really kind of asking yourself that, like, a couple months into this, you know, versus, yeah, you've been with somebody for four years. Obviously, that's going to, you know, I know we're focusing a lot on romantic relationships with us, but, you know, but same thing with friendships even. Like, if you just got to know this person from work a couple weeks ago and already you're having to, like, navigate a sort of mediation with them to try to figure out some disagreement or discrepancy is it really worth trying to do that or go through all of that versus if yeah this is somebody who's been a close friend of yours for you know months or years you know exactly yeah yeah you know this is making me think back to you know my youth when i was young and unmarried and in new relationships and all of that i very early on had kind of established the gosh, this is just going to sound rigid. When I was younger, I was a very rigid person. So kind of fits. I had my like, I just listed my non-negotiables like, hey, uh, nice to start dating you. This is fun. Yes, we're going out now. Uh, FYI, I don't want to have children. And if you want children, I'm happy for you, but it's not going to be with me. And we should maybe just not continue the relationship. I don't think jealousy is cute and I don't think it's endearing if you want to fight somebody because they, you know, offered to buy me a drink in a bar or something yes. like that. Like, not my vibe, not here to be controlled. Like, yes. I just have my list of non-negotiables, <laughs> hmm. which I have learned now from my now husband was very intimidating. He kind of said, like, you were very weird to start dating. Like, <laughs> a lot of rules right off the bat. I was like, that sounds about right, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and while, yes, my method was rather uh, forward, I guess, it was very mm. clearly established. Yeah. It also kind of, I guess there's no way for me to really know this, but it felt 
really good to know that the relationships I was moving forward in, I'm sure that was like kind of a, a detractor for some people. This was this was pre Tinder bios and everything, mm. but I bet if I had a Tinder bio, those all would be in there. Yeah, yes. I was just thinking it, that. It just, mm-hmm. Like it was really kind of let's even my playing field. Here are my mm. expectations. Here are the things that are not okay. And it's not saying that my way is the right way or you're supposed to do things my way. Right. But just kind of like these are these are my three or four non-negotiables that I have. Mm. If those are like totally not in the realm of what somebody else is willing to compromise, our relationship is probably just not going to be sustainable anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I get in this terms of romantic relationships. Absolutely. No, I think that's, you know, and because hearing you say that, like essentially what I'm hearing you point out is that even though that may have seemed really intimidating to, you know, to your now husband, right? Obviously mm-hmm. a relationship that, that worked out. Um, mm-hmm. That it's like, yeah, but you also saved yourself probably a lot of grief, right? For Versus if you hadn't actually been up front. And I'm not saying how somebody outlines those non-negotiables or exactly when. There's a lot of gray mm-hmm. area there. You yeah. know, different, you know, things work for different people. But a, I think a big pro to being that direct is what you're saying. Like, yeah, you were probably able to weed people out pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. that's not even, you know, yeah. So I, I mean, as a fellow therapist, not as your partner, um, I'm mm-hmm. sitting there going like, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Know, Good for right? you. <laughs> like that's. I, know, I was young and I had some things in line. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> like you knew what you wanted and you got these major ticket items kind of yep. right off the bat. Yep. And then if it still yep. made sense, you could move forward. You know, it's just, I don't know. That makes sense. But I hear it. And I think that speaks then to the other piece of like how, you know, so when you've identified all this stuff and your personal needs and the flags and you know, and even like one's communication style. Yeah. Like then how do you implement this and when, and I have clients that will talk about that too. Like, Hey, at what point in the dating process do I say, Hey, like this is a go for me or this isn't. Um, and I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of gray area there, but yeah. But then deciding that for oneself, like you said, that at that time, that that's what worked for you at that phase Mm -hmm. in your life. You knew what you wanted. You knew how, how you communicated it. You knew when you did it and you did it. And, yep. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. There were definitely, you know, we're allowed to have our own. Um, the green flag for me, I guess if I could sum it up, is like the main green flag for me is people who will recognize and respect our red flags. Mm. There are things that we're just like, nope, this is not okay for me. And kind of using red flags, but recognize and respect our non negotiables. Yeah. Is, such a huge green flag for me mm-hmm. uh, and when I say for me I mean yes I guess within my personal relationships but as a therapist navigating life with my clients um, whenever they're talking about a friend or a partner respecting something they said or you know partner did this thing and I expressed it in this way and here's how they responded positively and it's mm-hmm. such a, a beautiful moment to kind of yes witness a couple degrees of separation. I'm I, I'm not thinking of any specific couple sessions or anything mm. like that. Sure. But it's a really beautiful thing to witness when this is going to sound a little bit Disney, but like when we find the people in our lives that fit. Yeah. Yes. Like. Yes. And I don't just say like, "There's that one person or that handful <laughs> of people." That one. I think there's a lot of people out there. We, yes. You know, I'm not going Disney on us. Yes. We all know how I feel about the Disney bullshit. Um, mm. But it is a beautiful thing to get to hear about for people. And I think that's one of the 
really hopeful pieces of identifying our red flags and our green flags within our relationships. Yeah. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, you're right. It can be such a, because I think that's part of it too, is that it does seem, because we focus so much on the red flags, especially, mm-hmm. it seems like such a sort of negative process. In some ways it, it really can be. Um, totally. But it is something where when you're really hitting those green flags with somebody, and I can speak to my own experiences with this, but like, I think it is, it's really rewarding. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, hearing you kind of counter some of the Disney narrative with this, um, I know we're coming up on time too, but real quick. Um, it made me think of, um, and I think it was maybe social psychology. I don't know. It was one of my undergrad psych classes um, with a professor who um, very much admire and respect, um, who was my advisor. Um, actually, I'll give him credit in this. Uh, Tim Franz. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know if he listens to this or not. But if he does, or if you are, um, awesome professor, great, just person in research and academia, does a lot of industry, social, psych related stuff in his work. Anyway, one of the classes we had, I remember this stuck with me at the time. You know, kind of pointing out that when you talk about meeting or or forming meaningful relationships, that the most likely way in which that happens, and again, there's, you know, these narratives around meeting the one or meeting, like you said, or even that there's, you know, there's a few versions of the one in the world and that you're trying to find, you know, it's like, no, it's going to be people who are in your local area. Yeah, with the internet, that does get a little bit more complicated, but generally it's going to be people who you share spaces with. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be somebody who overlaps with you enough of that sample of people sharing space with you, which is a very, 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 very small subset of the world population. So yep. it's like very counter to that idea of there being the one or even being a few. No, there's actually probably, you know, thousands. There's there's there's, there's many yeah. um, possibilities and they probably range in terms of how well the fit they would be. But you finding somebody who's going to overlap with you enough really has to do with being in a shared overlap space. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be somebody who probably lives local to you, who goes, who shares a workspace with you, who's in a similar field as you, you know, maybe shares a hobby with you that you're consistent with and that you're involved in, whatever. But yeah, like that's going to be, that's, that's where it lands for most people. Um, And there's a lot of research that backs that up. And I remember just that, that blew my mind at the time, learning that in that particular class, but it was like, yeah, it completely shatters this whole idea that you have this one person in the whole world and if that were the case, then we would all be screwed. <laughs> we would never meet anybody. Humanity like would not make it. <laughs> no, human, no, humanity would not make it. That's a really good way of putting it. Yes, it, it wouldn't. Um, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. so absolutely, I, I agree with you. And I think that's really relevant to what we're talking about here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just so much there were more. a lot of jokes going through my mind about like, oh, I don't have a prince somewhere. And then I was thinking of some of the rom-coms of the 2000s. Like, I just want you to know there are a lot of jokes going through my mind. Oh, I get it. And I'm a, I'm a fan of those rom-coms too. I, I love a good like comforting rom-com from like 2003, you know, like that's, but yeah, usually it's, it kind of plays off some of these notions that are not accurate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we do. I know we do got to end. There's so much more. Yes. And we'll come yes. back to this. Like, I know this, this is one of those. probably be something we revisit. I agree. It's one of those topics we'll keep coming back to. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. No, that sounds good. I'll, we'll wrap up. Emma, thank you for your time today. And thank you as always for being very coherent in your speech. Yeah. No, same. <laughs> same here. Um, and we'll follow up in our, our next meeting, our next sounds podcast. Great. All right. Talk soon. Bye.